The Grow Kinder podcast features conversations with thought leaders in education, business, tech, and the arts, who all share one thing in common, a dedication to growing kinder in their work and lives, and helping others do the same. Brought to you by Committee for Children. Hey, Andrea. Well, how's it going? What are we in week eight, nine, oh, 10? Are you counting still? I'm still counting. Actually, I'm using, I'm marking on my wall, I'm marking the days <laughs> on my wall. Like, like I'm a in a cave. <laughs> nice. That's right. I'm using um, dried out markers that my kids have left the caps off of. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah. I believe that we here are going into our 10th week and I don't know. I like to keep track. Helps me uh, stay on track of what week we're on, what day we're on. Sometimes I don't know what day we're on. It feels like one long day to me still here in week 10. I don't know what week it is. I do know that it is Monday, but I would say, oh no, it's Tuesday. See, I got yeah, it Yeah, you see? Oh no. <laughs> oh, I was doing so well earlier. I <laughs> On Monday, I thought it was Tuesday for a good portion of the day. Yeah. So yeah, how are you doing in your home? right now. I am actually doing pretty well. As you know, in our household, my husband and I are living with both of our widowed mothers. And for six weeks, my son and his girlfriend were living here. They are adults. They are both in their mid-20s and they are in law school. So they were doing school online while they were here. Hmm. I was thinking about you today. You know, I knew I was going to talk to you and I was like, oh, I'm so excited to talk to Mia. I'm sorry to interrupt you and go on about why things are going well. But I was like, I'm so excited to talk to Mia because I'm going to talk to an adult outside of my spouse. And I feel like I need that. And then I thought, oh, it's so different because Mia is surrounded by adults all the time. Your child is an adult and seeing another adult. And not only are you surrounded by adults, but in my experience of your family and also lawyers, probably very opinionated, strong-willed adults. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, first of all, it's interesting to hear about what my son is studying, right? As someone who likes learning and My father was a lawyer and now my son is studying law. That's super interesting to me. So I like to hear about the cases they're reading about and this and that. And it's so different then to have two people in their 20s in your home and then two people who just turned 80. And that's a whole different thing. And so, yes, during these past 10 weeks, both of our moms turned 80. We had 80th birthdays. They were not the birthdays we had originally planned. We had big birthday parties planned for both of them that we were not able to execute on. But we did our best with our six people and some Zoom interactions. And we had singing. We had dancing. It was as much of a party as six people could make it, for sure. Right. But having older people and especially having your older parents is a very unusual window into your future. Because as adults, many of us live near our parents, but often we don't see our parents on a regular basis. There's some people live with their parents as adults, but I think that it's a smaller percentage than it used to be. So certainly for me, it is a whole new experience of having this window into your future. Mm. Yeah, I think there's, I've been seeing some things more recently about 
it's sort of this dual effect, right? Some people are really cut off from the older generation and some are weathering this together at home. So there's many generations in the same house, which can present its own sort of opportunities and challenges. And I think about, I so desperately wish that I could be quarantining with my grandmother, for instance, because I have a lot of anxiety about being far away from them. And then also, I'm sure we would drive each other crazy (laughs) if that was true, but it would be worth it. I would feel like, oh, it's worth it to be together during that time. So there's a lot of people who are, I think, on either side of that struggling with sort of interacting cross-generationally in ways that they didn't have to before. Yeah, that's right. I mean, a lot of the reaction when I tell people, my friends or other people, that we brought our mothers to live with us, it's often more of a, oh, no, how's that going (laughs) (laughs) kind of reaction. Because I think that it is a challenge to have to switch that, the nature of the relationship, no matter what age you are, when you're, the relationship between the parent and the child is generally one of one is the caretaker of the other, the parent is the caretaker of the child. And then to kind of have to flip that narrative of then you're taking care of them, I think is challenging for everyone. So I do think it requires a ton of perspective taking and putting yourself in someone else's shoes. What would it feel like to go and live in someone else's home, right? You don't want to be a burden. You want to contribute, but maybe you're physically limited like our mothers are. They can do some things. They can't do everything. So I think we all have been working really well together to try to think, okay, in a lot of ways, it's my inclination to be like, oh, no, let me do that for you. Oh, let me go get that thing for you. Or here, let me bring you something. And and then I've had to kind of back off that. It's going to take them five times as long to go and get that thing, but I should just let them do it. Right. I don't know. There's this phrase going around parenting parents. Mm-hmm. Like people are having to parent their parents, which I think really offends a lot of (laughs) parents with adult children. And I was wondering, are you getting that from your son too? Are you sort of having this approach to having your own mother in your home and wanting to make sure that she's safe and healthy and be a good daughter to her, but you have the perspective of an adult now, but then also you had your adult son (laughs) with you. Was he also like, oh, you should really be thinking about this? Or were there parental lectures just flying across the house in all directions? Or or did you guys? Right. I really tried not to do that Uh (laughs) because it would be my inclination to start asking him about, don't you have this summer internship? What is your plan for that? What are you going to do between the time that you finish your finals and start your internship? Where are you going to be? Constantly asking questions and trying to figure out what he's doing. And yeah, I just tried to really back off of that. And his girlfriend was here also with us and they really have it all together. I mean, Mm -hmm. not all the time, (laughs) like anyone, but they are both very smart, very competent. And I just need to, as a parent, I want to recognize that and, Mm -hmm. and be appropriate around, they know what they're doing. They've got their plans. And is your parent doing that for you? My mom is a lovely, lovely person. <laughs> she's you know very, she's going to listen to this. and <laughs> I don't know if she's going to listen to this. She might. No, she's really thoughtful. And she is also someone that likes to be connected. So she spends a good portion of her day on the phone with friends and friends from her senior community 
because a lot of people, most of them are still there and they have Mm -hmm. a pretty severe lockdown going on. So it's nice for her to keep in touch with them, with other relatives. It's very sad for her to not be able to see my brother and his family. Normally she lives 15 minutes away from them. And so she has, in addition to my son as her grandchild, she has a 13-year-old and a two-year-old grandchild. And we both miss them terribly. We're really close. So we do a lot of FaceTiming and that. Multiple times a day, I FaceTime with my brother and his Mm -hmm. family. So that's where I get my fix of little ones, but you've got little ones right in your house. (laughs) Yeah, I don't need a fix You get your fix every day. I get my (laughs) fix every day. I would just say that they love their grandparents quite a lot, and Mm -hmm. that has been difficult. And they have a set of grandparents that are here half the time and in Arizona half the time, and they've been in Arizona. And typically, the kids can go visit them maybe once a year in Arizona. And then when they come back, they get to see them a lot. And we're just not sure how that's going to work. And it's really hard for them. My daughter is much more, I would say, emotive. (laughs) I'm going to go to Arizona tomorrow. I want to go back. She's expressive of feeling that loss. And my son is a little more internalizing and doesn't voice it. But the other day, he said, well, I think I've already had the virus and it just didn't affect me. So it's fine. He's trying to negotiate with me. (laughs) And so I I think it's so much value for them to have those relationships. We were supposed to go to Kentucky and visit my grandmother in April. And they just love being there. Like when my son had a project for school where he was supposed to talk about if he could be anywhere, if he could go anywhere, what's his favorite place to go. And he said, Kentucky, which shocked me. (laughs) spoken like someone who didn't grow up there. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, there are wonderful things about it. But the big thing is the people there, the people love him and he gets to be a star when he goes there because he doesn't visit very often. And so he really felt terrible about missing that. And he talks about it and it's really hard on their grandparents to not see them. And it comes up a lot. And we've had these discussions of whether or not the grandparents from Arizona come back can they see them? Will they be able to maintain physical distance? Probably not. I mean, to be there, but to have to stay six or 10 feet away, that's pretty hard for little kids. And they feel, I don't know, it feels like they're cheated. They feel less loved. It makes them sad. Well, you can imagine, you know, like with my two-year-old niece, there would be no holding her back. No way. If you had to restrain her from going to hug Mm -hmm. me or my mom, her grandma. I mean, she would just be in tears. So my daughter's a ninja. You don't want to try to restrain her physically from anything that she has as a goal. So I'm going to try to avoid that. (laughs) I was thinking about when you're talking about parenting parents, how people feel that's really condescending. And I always think about how I parent my children and how I don't want to be condescending toward my children either. They are people and deserving of respect and some amount of autonomy, although that varies by age. And so when I am trying to take the things we do in our work, and when I think about, I want to parent children like they're people. I don't want to parent children like they're less than people, right? And that they have their own thoughts and desires and needs. And that I have to kind of think about those and recognize those, even though I have responsibility for them, And I'm trying to sort of apply that in my thinking to other adults in my life that might not be, I don't know, reacting in the way that I would, uh, using my SEL skills, perspective taking and empathy to really 
try to measure that. So when I have relatives that say, oh no, we're coming to visit you, we're going to be there. And I think, well, you can't fly on a plane right now. You can't, you're, that's so risky. I'm living with a first responder. I haven't been able to isolate. Please don't put me in the position of exposing you to this. You know what I mean? I kind of have those thoughts. And then I was reading recently the power of kind of expressing yourself, what matters about it to you. We're really worried about you. The kids are really worried that you might get sick or the kids really want to see you, but they think about if they give you something and it makes you sick, how terrible that will be. And so maybe that's an approach that could work for people is sort of thinking, yes, this is really hard and you're obviously an adult. You may be the adult that raised me, but you should take into account how worried I am or can you do it for me? That was one of the aspects of an article that you've probably read it too recently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, well, you know, it's going to vary for people, right? People have different feelings about how much risk they want to expose themselves to, right? And obviously we're seeing that right now with people's level of comfort with going out. And I think it just has to do with how strong those feelings are of loneliness and isolation and how challenging whatever situation is that they're in, right? Right now with our moms here, I know that there is part of them that would like to go back to living independently and having their lives the way that they live on their own terms, <laughs> obviously. And yet I think they both really understand the risks. And I think that all the family members, like my mother-in-law's grandkids reach out to her all the time. And they range in age from, I think, gosh, about four to 20 or 21. And same thing, the little ones kind of don't understand, can I just come there? I just want to come and see you. But it's, at least on our end, I think that everybody has a pretty healthy sense of wanting to stay safe. So they're doing okay. Are there things that you're sort of having different generations or an older generation living with you in your home? Are there things that you're learning or things that, oh, this is a thing that I want to take away from this? Anything that's different for you? Oh, yeah. It just, I've not had an opportunity to live day to day with older people. And I think that's probably the case for a a lot of people. And it's both sad and interesting (laughs) to see what happens to people, both physically and cognitively as they get older. And it's not, they don't have terrible, terrible problems, but they both have some physical limitations. And then you start to see the cognitive issues that come up, right? And they're, it's not really predictable. And it is, like I said before, an interesting window into, oh, I see my, in my own middle age, like, oh yeah, I forget words all the time. And now I see in your eighties, how that gets so much worse. <laughs> oh no. Uh-huh. <laughs> and most well, making you introspective. <laughs> You're like, oh, this is. Should I do more Sudokus and crossword puzzles? <laughs> <laughs> I'm out there now exercising every day. Yes, I want to retain my mobility. Okay, I'm going to walk every day and mm-hmm. try and stay really fit. But 
what do you do about some of the other things that just naturally come with aging that mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of control over? Hmm. So there's that window into that world so that you don't often see. I guess I don't think about that too much. I think that as humans, a lot of our actions are driven by an awareness of our own mortality and our capabilities and how they change over the course of our lives. And I could see where living cross-generationally would influence that. But I guess not having people in my life who help raise me living with me right now, I think a lot about sort of not keeping the things that make them special to me around. You know what I mean? I've sort of been thinking, oh, I need to, I don't know, start a memory book or I'm feeling like this need to capture more of them. And I know some people who have started reassessing their wills. I mean, it's really, this is such a stressful and traumatic time for so many, but especially those who are in high risk categories or have already suffered or lost someone. And it's making people kind of reevaluate some things around what they want to leave behind and that sort of thing. And so I'm thinking less about myself or what might happen to me and a little more about my loved ones that are in high risk categories for contracting and then having really terrible effects of the virus. And and it makes me want to reach out to them, but I'm also super worried about putting my own anxiety on them. Sort of being like, hey, will you fill out this <laughs> memory <laughs> book for me in case you die. That's what it feels like. And Oh, well, I'm, I'm guessing you could probably think of some way that you could present it as a, like a fun project. Well, now I Maybe can't because doing... I said it, but yeah, I, you know. well, but you could do like an oral history and that's not a sad thing. That's fun. And I think we did some of that when my grandmother was in her, I don't know, eighties or nineties. She's now 105. Oh yes, I do still have a living grandmother, but she does not live with me here. Uh-huh. Yes. She's, that if anyone can withstand <laughs> this situation, it is your 105-year-old grandmother, I'm sure. Yeah. But it is sad because just in the last year and a half, mm-hmm. her cognitive functioning has gone from very sharp to very not hmm. sharp. And so she doesn't really understand why I can't come see her. And so yeah. when I call her, it's very sad because she says things like, why don't you come see me? Can you come today? Not today. Tomorrow? Can you come tomorrow? I'm like, well, probably not tomorrow either, but soon. Yeah. And that's really hard. So Andrea, are there any routines that are different that you are doing with your family now Mm -hmm. that are helping you manage better? Again, talking about parenting parents, I feel like if there's one quick way to just turn people off from listening to you, it's talking to them about how they should parent. (laughs) And I don't know about everybody else, but I felt inundated with just things about how I should be parenting during this whole situation. And and from other people or from media or from from the media from, yeah, there's an article every other day about Uh it. There's, and in the work we do, it's inescapable and, there's all the things you should be doing and how you should be homeschooling and all this. And then, and then when we were going to talk today and I was thinking about your situation, I want to parent my children like they're real people <laughs> and not be condescending to them in my parenting. Also, I want to think about when I'm giving advice to people who parented me, how I take that advice. It's sort of like judgment, right? All of a sudden, you know better or that kind of thing. And I just, that would just be the worst to me for them to think that I was disrespectful or judgmental 
of them. But I'm feeling a lot of that in my parenting because there's no way you could do all of the things. But one of the things we did immediately was we made this schedule and everybody was all about the schedules. And well, that's the first thing you got to do is you got to make a schedule so you can homeschool your kids. And I think I told you that just blew up in my face immediately. We made this beautiful, colorful schedule. We made it together. So they felt like they were a part of it. And my daughter just destroyed that thing in day one. And <laughs> and I think what I realized is I needed to revert to habits and routines. I needed to be worried less about if at 2 p.m. they were doing reading than if right. we got up, we got dressed, we ate breakfast together, we here's the intentions and we're going to do this every day and it's going to be a routine. And some days that's going to happen earlier or a little later based on our schedule. But here's the thing we do after we get up, we get dressed. That's the thing we're going to do. And then we just kind of make it a habit and it's aligned to a schedule. We've kind of gone back to a schedule off and on since then, but I think routines are important, but they're also kind of tedious, right? So they add to that. It's one long day or it's something that's going to go on forever. So they're really important routines to keeping yourself going, especially if you have to work, you have to do schoolwork, you have to get to bed at a certain time. It's There's really important and it's research-based around creating routines and habits to help with your mental and physical wellness. And I think especially during times of trauma, but okay, now we've kind of got that where do we get to shake it up a little so we don't feel like robots? Right. Yeah, that's a good question. I agree. I think that the routines kind of help move you through the day. I think there are more than a particular schedule. I think for us, it's doing some important things every day, doing the things that keep you healthy and well, right? So to whatever extent that the moms or we can exercise, we try and do some decent amount of exercise every day, you know, to the extent that we can eat healthy meals, we try to do that every day. And to the extent that we can make sure that we keep all our spaces tidy and everything else, all those things that kind of add to your sense of well-being are important to keep up. And so Mm -hmm. we just try to do those We try to think of little fun things to mix it up, ways to get our moms out. We take them for rides, but we can't really get out. But we did on Mother's Day. (laughs) We did some outings. Do you think there are things that are, I mean, I can imagine the situation will change family relationships forever. (laughs) Some of them will be very disconnected. Some people may have reconnected or had deeper connections or conversations than they ever had before, or you're living in a home together with your adult children, which you haven't or for a while or whatever. And so you're learning new things about people. What are some things you think will be altered in your relationship with your family after this? I think I, at least I can just speak for myself, will have a greater appreciation for the effort that everybody put into this time. Everybody in my household is really trying hard. I think everybody recognizes this as kind of a make or break time. It can either be like the worst time or you can make the best of it. And literally every day I'll ask the moms, how are you doing today? Oh, it's a nice day today. Mm -hmm. They have something positive to say. And I guess other people have asked me about living with them and I have a tremendous appreciation 
for this one quality that they both have or that they both don't have actually. And it's that they're not critical. So I think one of the hardest things to manage in a parent-child relationship is when a parent is really critical. Hmm. And being critical can become a terrible habit that people just get used to. And I recognize the absence of that in both of them. They are both, Hmm. I am sure that I do things that are not the way they would like it to be done. And nobody complains about it. And I know that there are things that I'd like to be different if we didn't have people living with us. But I just think to myself, well, you know, we're all doing the best we can. And I think everybody gives one another a lot of grace. And so I appreciate that. It's an effort that we all make every day. And that's something to be grateful for. I think that's a good call out. I can't remember where this came from, but that sort of, I have this mantra. I feel like in young adulthood, I maybe I read it or I saw it somewhere, but everybody's doing the best they can in that moment. And sort of, you don't know what people are carrying, what their internal life is like in that period of time. You might think that you do because you're weathering this together in a small space or a big space, wherever you might be, but it's just trying to remember that everybody's just trying their best. And I think the thing is, even if people aren't trying their best, just sort of trying to think that gives you, it lets you take on less of it. And I often think when things are tedious or sometimes I'm finding myself getting more frustrated at work than I Mm. have in the past. And I think we are in such a unique workplace. Like people are great. There's not a reason to be frustrated (laughs) with people we work with. They're so awesome. And I just think to myself, in this moment, whatever's happening with them, whatever frustrations might be driving them, I have no control over, but I do have control over my reaction and my frustration. And it's kind of like, I can make this better or worse for them, right? I can contribute to this being worse (laughs) or I can let it go or try a different tactic and try to make it better. And I don't always have the energy to do it, but I try to like amp myself up for that when I'm really feeling it. Yeah. I think the other thing that's important is to, if you can kind of take a break sometimes. Oh, sure. We can't What's take that? big breaks, but you just go into another room sometimes. Just yeah. Half an hour and just, if, yeah, if you can, have a little break. Yeah. Well, we got to get back to the other parts of our lives now. We Speaking do. Of not having a break. I wanted to kind of let you know how, I think what really captures how things are going at my house, just to end this for you, is yesterday my son dropped his food on a bathroom floor and I didn't even say anything. I mean, I sort of was like, are you going to eat that? And he said, yep. And then I had a comment later about it. Well, you can't wash a sandwich. So I guess we're going to eat something off the bathroom floor. And it really bothered me a lot. Meh, I can't. Oh, Andrea, that is such a good metaphor for how we have to just let things go. Yeah. Like sometimes it was, your sandwich I, I, just I'm drops on the bathroom I'm still thinking about floor. it today, so I don't know how good, <laughs> but I was like, well, I'm not going to make another sandwich. And his other parent cares less about that kind of thing. And oh, well. Yeah. yeah. So I'm still grossed out thinking about it. Yeah. We have a lot of those moments. And yes, we just let it go. We yeah. eat the sandwich and let it go. We just got to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Is there anything you're doing to stay kind this week that you want to leave us with? Oh, this week, this was Mother's Day this past week. So I guess I'll say that I think that in years past, my husband and I would have 
sent the cards or the flowers or done something to remember the moms. And I think especially for him, I mean, I usually do something with my mom if I am able to, if I'm near by, if we're not out of town. But I think for him in particular, it was really different to have to sit down days beforehand and think like, what are we going to do that's special for them? How are we going to make this day special for them? And we don't have a lot of options. (laughs) (laughs) There's not a lot, but I feel like, again, it's part of this putting in the effort. It's an act of kindness to put in the effort to try and make a day special mm-hmm. for someone when the days are kind of all running together. Yeah, I think that's nice. How about you? Well, I'm going to say something that maybe I'll take forward from our conversation today as an act of kindness. I've been thinking about how people have varying kinds of relationships with their <laughs> caregivers, and they might be good, and they might be bad, and they might be medium, and they might be non existent. And I have all of those with the various caregivers in my life. And I want to think about this as an opportunity to exercise kindness and forgiveness for them, for myself, for things that have been true about our relationship in the past. And maybe a good way to think about it is when you parent your own kids, you try to do all the things you wish your parents had done. (laughs) And maybe I want to apply that also in my interactions with those caregivers, this is a thing that I think would have been really great if they had been able to do it for me. And now maybe I want to try to do that for them, not with judgment, but just here's my perspective and what I know now. So maybe that's, it's sort of like approaching those relationships with more sort of kindness and openness. Mm. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, I'll look forward to our next conversation. Good talking to you again today, Andrea. All right. See you later. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed our conversation. You can find more episodes at growkinderpodcast.org and make sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher.